Hello and welcome to this new episode of the Success Great Podcast with your host Hosan Talib. This is episode number 64. Scale your business exponentially without the hustle with Stacy Hyland. She is going to talk about amazing things and how to add a zero to your business without the hustle. Enjoy this one. Also, don't forget to leave me your reviews and voice messages at successgrid.net forward slash podcast. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life with your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid podcast. I'm very excited for this episode. I have a special guest today, Stacey Hyland. She's an international recognized business growth strategist, author and coach, and was named International Coach of the Year in 2016. For over the past 16 years, Stacey has been helping six and seven figures entrepreneurs with a powerful marketing and sales strategies to get more clients, more profits, and more time off to enjoy who and what they love. She also worked with Tony Robbins and Chat Holmes as a senior level coach with Business Mastery. Right, Stacey? Yes. Thanks How are for you, having Stacey? me. I'm excited. Awesome. I'm fantastic. <laughs> awesome to have you here. So I mentioned like you worked with Tony and uh, th- that's awesome. I, he's very, I see him on video. I never seen him in person, but like he's, I don't know where he gets his energy from. It's like he has like, Hundred batteries. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, tell us about your story. How you? Where you been? And where are you now with your business? Yeah. So I started. Well, it's interesting because I started in sales when I was very young, oh. and I always did things to sell in order to fund my travel. So when I was a little kid, I wanted to go visit my aunt who lived in Maine. And I needed to buy an airplane ticket. So I started my first business selling stationery to be able to do that. And then I just realized this week that the Olympics are coming up. And somebody said, like, have you been to the Olympics? So when I was 12, I wanted to go see the Olympics in L.A. with my friend whose grandparents lived there. Again, I needed an airplane ticket. I needed to, you know, buy my way there. So I started another business in order to do that. So, um, I always saw that I could like generate my own revenue that I needed, even when I was very young, went to France as an exchange student, again, Ooh. through a business that I started. And what happened was, is I, after I went to school, I started going to sales. And when I was in my last sales job, it was a very consultative sale. And so I was helping the business owners that I was selling to. And I would help them with their marketing. I'd help them with their sales. And I was just able to see the things that they were doing that were not helping them be as profitable as they could. And my, my clients started growing their businesses like crazy. And I, one of my clients grew her business 200%. And so I was like, this is really interesting. And at the same time, um, around the same time, my dad got sick with cancer and passed away. And it happened. Thank you. It happened really, really quickly, but it really made me realize like, what do I want to do with my life and how do I, how can I make a difference? And so that's where I started looking into coaching. This was 20 years ago before coaching, <sighs> like people, people would ask me what sport I coach. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if you, if you say a coach, they would probably relate it to kind of some kind of sport like football, soccer, rugby, yeah. American football, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so um, it was very cutting edge when I started coaching. And so I, I really had a mission and I still do to this day of giving entrepreneurs back to their families so that, mm. you know, my dad, when he died, he was only 56 and Ooh, very young. He, I, it's very young. And mm. what I realized as I'm pushing that, you know, 50 myself is coming around the corner is that, you know, when you die with all these regrets, it doesn't matter how much money you made. It doesn't matter, you know, the businesses you grew, if you aren't able to have those experiences with your family, yeah. Yeah. with your loved ones yeah. and do Especially- the things that, You've been put here to do. Exactly. So because like entrepreneurs in general, whether it's like start even starting up or like we mentioned, you help six and figures, maybe even eight uh, figure entrepreneurs. Most of the time that they don't have time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I always joke with my husband because my husband is in corporate. And so he has a salary plus bonuses. And when his work is over, it's like, oh, I didn't get everything done. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to get paid whether you got everything done or not, right? But as an entrepreneur, we always feel like there's always something else. There's like, what I see with my clients is that they 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 set a bar, they hit it, and then they they're like, as soon as they cross that bar, they raise the bar again on themselves, and they don't celebrate. Like one Mm. of my clients, um, he has gone from six figures to eight figures. And on the day that he hit eight figures, he didn't even mention, like, I, we were we were in our coaching call, and I asked him a question. He said, oh. By yeah, the way. We hit, yeah. We hit $10 million today. I uh-huh. was like, oh, hello. Maybe we could be <laughs> celebrating this. But that's where I really started, started asking my clients at the beginning of every single session, like, what are you celebrating this week? What wins have you had since the last time we were on the phone? Because as high achievers, we're like, oh, it was just a little thing. Oh, it was just a little thing. And we need to be able to celebrate as we go. Oh, yeah. So I don't know, maybe because they they are like, to, to them, the, the difference between six and seven figures is not that much. I don't know, maybe they want like billions. He had eight figures. So that's pretty significant. <laughs> when we so, started, um, he was at six. <laughs> so working with these kind of people, uh, what do you see happen wrong with these entrepreneurs? Uh, what limitation do, limitations they put on themselves and uh, the, the, the negative talk they talk to themselves? Like you mentioned, this guy, for example, he went from uh, to, to eight figures and he didn't really... <laughs> It was okay. Okay, eight figures. So uh, I I think eight figures is something big. It's huge. Like going. Yeah. So, yeah. This you are not small business anymore. You are a big business basically. So what do you see the limitation they they, they might do? I think the biggest limitation I see is wanting to do everything themselves still, mm. because you know when you've when you like because it's been fun because I've had several clients who've gone from six to eight figures. So I've been able to follow the progression that they've gotten through. And what I've seen is that they, you know, you start out when you're in six figures and you're still like working really hard and doing everything yourself. And then we're bringing in team, right? And and the thing is, is they still want to have their finger in everything. They still want to do everything themselves. Um, and I have another client, you know, at eight figures now that, you know, again, he's gone from six to eight and it's like, he has to release some of the reins and empower his people that are really good to do the things that 
weren't his his success successful like strengths you know like mm. like for example operations operations if it's not a strength it's gonna go way better if you bring in somebody that can do operations yeah, and do it course. really well exactly. and and help because you out and then focus it's this one is a, is a daily is a daily work is daily work. for example sales and operations is something that you do do daily and there is is basic for the company's overall incoming yeah Right. And the other thing I, I see as a challenge is downloading the the genius from the entrepreneur <laughs> into something replicatable. So uh-huh. like, for example, like the guys are really good at selling and that's how they grew their companies. But now how do we take what they did and put it into a sales system for their salespeople mm. so that their salespeople know how to explain what the company does? They know how to differentiate. They know how to... Um, you know, what, what happens is I help a lot of my clients go from being a commodity where it's like you search the internet and there's 28 million results for what you do to being a couture brand that like, oh my mm. gosh, I want to work with this company. This is the company that's going to help me solve my problem. This is the yeah. company that's going to help me get here. And so that's really what we try to find is like, let's get that systemized for mm. all of your team so that they can do it as well. Uh, I love that you mentioned like when go, going to couture, like because for example, nowadays, uh, if you are looking for information, Google has everything. Uh, if you're looking for products, there are a lot of products that are similar, but there is the product that is very cheap and there's the product that's similar to it that is expensive. So you need to differentiate and you position yourself, I guess, in a, in a place where you see your business fits in. Yeah. And I think what also happens with my clients is it's not necessarily like in consumer products. Uh, most of my clients are B2B. Mm. But what happens is you're competing. Like, for example, one of my clients, he's gone from six to eight figures. He's competing against $100 million companies, billion-dollar companies that have mm. like endless resources. So how do you yeah. stand out? When you're competing against Goliath, you know, and you're David, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How do you, like, when you have a smaller business, even it's like making 10, 20 million competes with the, like Google's or uh, these big companies. How, how do you do that? For so example? what you have, what you have to do, is, what we, what we look at is, first of all, we look at who are your perfect clients, right? And so I believe that there's always a perfect client for you. That isn't necessarily a perfect client for the guy next door, right? Yeah. And so what happens is when you get really clear on that perfect client, those are the clients that if you look at your business, they're the top 20% that are going to give you 80% of your business. Uh, so, so if you build your... So you, so this 2080 rule applies here too. Yeah. And if you start building your clients around those perfect clients, then you're going to have less... Um, challenges with customer service that like it's much much easier right and they stay for a long time so we we look at the perfect clients and when you can keep your clients long term like for example myself I have clients that have been with me for 12 and 13 years oh cool awesome yeah right versus most coaches they have their clients for six months or three months and then bam they're gone Uh, they they you have great sustainability with your clients i guess yeah Uh, yeah. because yeah it means that you don't you can do work hard to get more clients but you already have like a base to work with right but it also allows you to serve them at a deeper level and a higher level especially know them for a long time yeah yeah you've been with them a long time so you know you basically know everything i guess (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah. So so the thing is, is like for example, with my clients, so we figure out what the perfect clients are, and then what is the pain and what is the goal for those perfect clients. So like for example, Tony Robbins says people do things for two reasons: to avoid pain and to go towards pleasure. Right. Yeah. That's but, it, right? But like mostly, but, you, but 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 what I see mostly, <laughs> you usually do it to to avoid pain, because sometimes if you tell a person I want you to do this for, for example, some kind of intensive, let's say it's money, but if there is some hurdle or something to step over, they would say no. I would, I'm fine, you know. Yeah, and so that's where we have to get the messaging really, really strong because the messaging has to show them like, okay, if you, um keep going away from the pain, right? You just keep going away from the pain, away from the pain. Here's where you're going to end up, right? If you go keep going towards the pleasure, towards the pleasure, towards the pleasure, here's where you're going to end up versus if you look at addressing the pain. And a lot of times like people have these fears and they're tied to the money beliefs that we have, right? Mm. They're, that's one of the big things I do with my clients is look at you know, what are those hidden mindset beliefs that are keeping you small because you're, you know, you have your family money story, like, you know, oh, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, you know, the, the richer bad, I mean, even like in our, in culture, like in North American culture, the rich people are always evil, right? Like if you look at Cruella, there's the new movie coming out with Cruella and she like gets, she's a rich woman that gets puppies to make fur coats, right? There's, you know, in a Disney movie, right? Mm. <laughs> so, so you see that it's like in the back of our Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is actually, I, I think uh, it's in every people's mind all over the world, I think, because they always yes. see, see the people who have money, like uh, some of them maybe uh, they inherited, for example, so say he, uh, someone inherited their money, they didn't really work for it because, of that and some people say they let like they i don't want to go into it but maybe they stole it so these kind of things go into <laughs> or they right. got it illegally because now especially now if we're talking for example about online businesses we see a lot of things going on and happening and uh, not everyone that can be giving you certain let's say information that actually have it you know, or right. did it, right. you know? Right, right. So I think it's important. And I think I'm just speaking to North America because that's where I'm from. But depending on where the listeners or watchers are watching, it's really interesting to start paying attention. Like, what are the things your parents said? What are the movies that you saw growing up that you think about this? What are mm. the um, TV shows that, they, you know, like that they they really demonize people being wealthy? So going back to the perfect client, so you want to create a message that really helps the client. And so I'll give you an example. One of my clients sells pizza to school mm. nutrition programs, right? Mm. Now, that is like the biggest commodity ever is selling pizza in schools because every kid in like pizza is their favorite food. And every single school sells pizza in their school program, in their lunchroom. Mm. And so if I were to call you and say, Oh, Hussein, like I have some pizza. Do you want to change your pizza? Well, what, what happens is I'm thinking, I'm not going to change the company I'm using. That sounds like I have to go get a new purchasing order. I need to get approval. It sounds like a lot of work and he, yeah. they're going to want to avoid the pain. So what happened is when we looked at their perfect client, what we realized about these school nutrition directors is that they were being evaluated on how their school did in terms of profit 
and participation. Like how much money did the school nutrition program make? Because they reinvest that into the school. And how many kids eat in the cafeteria, even if they're not buying their lunch, because they want kids to be able to learn. And there's studies that show if kids are not eating, they're not learning. So Mm -hmm. now when we call and we say, Hussein, are you interested? You know, like we're the, you say like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, we're the company that helps school nutrition increase their profits and participation. Mm -hmm. Now, can you see how that doesn't look the same? Yeah. We've moved from being a commodity to being future. Yeah, it's a different angle, a different uh, right? place to win, yeah. And so that's where, like, helping people move from commodity to future, it's really about getting that perfect client down, getting the messaging down. That you, like, And my client's competing against Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, you know, all these other companies. He's competing against them making their own pizza, right? So it's really stepping him completely above in the conversation. So that's Mm. what I help entrepreneurs do is to figure out that for your business Mm. so that when you talk to people, they're like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Exactly. You mentioned like, for example, the the, the little ones competing against the biggest one. So for example, if we're speaking, for example, about restaurants, uh, uh, there are, for example, a lot of smaller restaurants. They have like one or two locations which make more delicious food than the big ones. Yes. You know? But yes. why are they why are they still small? Why are they not growing? Are they they don't have the resources? Maybe the money at their disposal is much less. Can they do thing something about it to get to be more resourceful, let's say? Yeah, it's interesting that you use those words because Tony Robbins, when I was working for him, I we did the first business mastery that ever existed. And in that first business mastery, he, this guy stood up. And I think this is a lot of the restaurant owners out there. If the guy stood up and said, Tony, I've tried everything and nothing works. And Tony said, Hmm. He said, well, what have you tried? And the guy said, Oh, I tried this, this, and this. And so Tony said, okay, like you've tried three things. How many times did you try it? And he said, well, I tried it a few times, but it wasn't working. And I ran out of money. I didn't have time. I didn't have the team. So they were, so Tony said to him, he said, let me ask you a question. It sounds like it wasn't, a. it sounds like you didn't have enough resources to grow the business and just put on this. Have you ever seen somebody that has less resources than you that has become more successful than you? And what happened was the guy said, yeah, like you always see these stories in magazines of somebody that came to the United States with $200 and they like even one of my like friends in my mastermind, she literally came to the United States from an Eastern European country with like a few hundred bucks, didn't speak much English. And she now has a multi-million dollar business, oh, right? Cool. So this person didn't look at their lack of resources. They became resourceful. And so that's what Tony said is like, it's about becoming more resourceful. And I think mm. this is where the restaurant owners fall down mm. is that they're so caught in the minutia of the restaurant of ordering food, getting the waitresses there on time, you know, making sure it's clean, that they're not focusing on growing the company. Yeah. Speaking right. of growing, I think maybe maybe some of the reasons also could be they are afraid of growth. Maybe they see that they can't handle the growth. Exactly. And that's where like I help clients add a zero without the hustle because nobody wants to add a zero and be burned out and never sleep and not see their, their family. And so what, what we've done with a restaurant, I'll give you an example. 
um, of becoming more resourceful. One of my coaches that works for me had a client that we used the hidden profit system. And we were looking at, okay, where are all the, where's all the money that you have in your business that you can add without doing more marketing, without doing more advertising? And what happened was she, they saw, and this was a little tiny restaurant in um, the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. So it was not like a big city or anything. And what happened, I got so excited, my, my tripod is moving. Um, so what happened was that we looked at like, what if we just did an upsell, which is one of the hidden profits? What if every time somebody ordered something, you asked them if they wanted an appetizer and you featured an appetizer every week? And it sounds like basics, but people were not doing it. They mm. increased their sales like almost $2,000 a month just from asking one question, yeah. right? Which is $24,000 in a year. Mm. So then we looked at, all right, well, what are some of the other things that we can do? So we're always looking at what can you do with the resources that you have available instead of trying to like, oh, let's go do a Facebook ad campaign. that's going to cost thousands of dollars that may or may not get results. Let's yeah. optimize what you have. Yeah, exactly. Optimization is important because you, if we're speaking about speaking about the restaurant business, for example, I worked in McDonald's long ago. So, if, for example, if a customer comes in and say, "I want the regular size meal," right? This is the smallest size for adults. So the the cashier says, uh, "Would you like it large?" Always goes to the large immediately. Does not go to the medium, you know. Always yeah, to the large. Yeah. Would you like uh, apple pie with it? Would you like ice cream with it? So always upselling things. That's, yeah. I think the most, when I was a ki kid, like the most famous upsell is, do you want fries with that? Because when, <laughs> because when, when I was, when I was a kid and I'm, I'm older than you probably, but like when I was a kid, we used to get like a little tiny hamburger at McDonald's and that was it or drink. And we were like super excited because we didn't eat out very much. And they would say, do you want fries with that? Right. So now instead of a drink and a sandwich, it was like three things. Now McDonald's already assumes that you want all three things, right? Yeah. Because that's become part of their business model culture of like, yeah. oh, I just order a trio, right? You yeah. always get a trio. And so now it's like, do you want to supersize that? Exactly. Right? Do you want an apple pie with that? So they're they're really good at that. And small business owners can do that with just one question. If you can train a teenager to do that. You can train anybody to do that in your business. <laughs> exactly. It's not it's not that hard. It could make a lot of difference. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So what what, uh, what how do you do it? The process. So you yourself when you're working with your clients, what what do you go through to make uh, your clients go and add a zero? Well, first of all, think when we, when they come on, I'm very selective of who I work with. So we mm. do an onboarding session to see if we're a good fit energetically. And, you know, in alignment, uh, then once we decide that we want to work together, they fill out a big questionnaire. It's very similar to what I did when I was vice president of consulting with Tony Robbins. And a lot of the clients, they say that they have a ton of ahas just from filling out this questionnaire because yeah. it's making them think of their business in a different way. Right. Mm. And it's making them think like a real business. Mm. And then what we do, I have a seven step system that I take people through to add a zero. So the first thing that we look at is your mindset, mm. right? The money mindset, the the upper beliefs that they have that are holding them back. Like mm. I can't make six figures and be a mom. I can't make six figures. And um, like when I moved, I lived in a foreign country. So when I 
when I started my business, I had moved from Philadelphia to the Montreal area. And I lived in a little tiny village that nobody spoke English. And I had a baby, right? So it was like overcoming that mindset belief of like, oh, I can do this in a foreign country. I can do this with a baby. I can do this and still have the life that I want. Um, And then we look at your hidden profits. So we look at where are all the areas in your business that are, you know, little places that we can add that you can increase your, your money without doing any more marketing or advertising. The average small business finds $85,000 of hidden profits in their business. Okay. So this is something that they even don't look at or don't know that exists in the business. Yeah, like, like we just talked about an upsell, right? Mm. People have heard about an upsell, right? It's, it's a basic business strategy, Yeah. It's but they're not doing it. So what I do is I show them, okay, if your business is at $10,000 a month, and you ask X number of people and 30% of them take it, what would that look like? Could you add another $1,000 a month? Could you add another $3,000 a month? Could you add another $10,000 a month? Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. When you paint that picture of what's possible, it it really like shows them like, oh, that would be easy. Like I had a guy um, years ago who was in the middle of the recession. He was in a very small Southern town. And he all of a sudden had all these big box competitors moving in, right? And what happened was he said, I can't do anything to grow my business. I don't have any more money for marketing or advertising. These people are advertising on TV like all the time. I There's nothing I can do. And I said, all right, well, when we looked at his company, the first thing I said is like when he filled out the questionnaire, I was like, I think you probably need to cut staff because his, he told mm-hmm. me his staff his staff was not listening to him. They were not doing anything he asked. Like it was very, very difficult. And when I told him this in our session, he's like, I can't cut any staff. He said, we live in a really small town. Half of the people, he said, yeah, everybody knows each other. He said, some of these are my uncles. Like they were 80 years old. Some of them are his nephews. He said, the other people I go to church with, he said, I could not hold my head up in church if I laid off people during the recession. Right. Uh, and so, so I was like, all right, we have to get creative here. So we did actually the upsell was the thing we did with him. We added that upsell. He increased his business 48% in one month whoa. with one question, ooh. with one question. So that's the power of the hidden profits. I, I'm writing a book that well, actually the book is written. We're ready to get it published now on hidden profits. Mm. We did, Then we look at the perfect clients. Like we mentioned earlier, like, who are those people that are going to be your perfect clients that are going to buy more, stay longer, refer more? Like I've had clients that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with me because they've, they've gotten results. They get the return on investment in the exactly, coaching, so they yeah. stay with me forever, exactly. right? Um, then we look at the strategic positioning, which we, we, we looked at a little bit tonight, today is like, how do you position your company so that it stands out against the bigger companies and you get a message that's like, ah, that's them, as opposed to it could apply to any other business out there. Um, Then the next thing we do is we look at your offers, your packaging, your pricing, like how can you improve your pricing? Um, Like I've had clients that have gone from $1,500 a month to $2,500 a month. I've had clients go from $1,500 to $9,600 a month. 
because of the way we we structured their packages. So that's that's really important to look at the pricing. I actually have a program that I do that's a free raise your rates masterclass that actually helps because that's something that I feel like so many people need to do, but they don't know how to do it. Um, so that's, that's something that I offer for free yeah, for people uh, to like start to get some money in the door um, quickly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then the last two things we do in the add to zero system is to stack your marketing because mm-hmm. the most dangerous number of anything is one. And so you want to have this stack that's working all the ways and driving traffic back to your site. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. I just got shut down on Instagram again yesterday. Like they wow. completely wiped out. They completely wiped out my account in November. And to, yesterday, they just froze me. I'm like, I am not posting anything that is against the rules. Nothing. It's just really weird. So that's why you want to have a nice stack because you can't count on these big companies. Yeah, yeah. You can't you know? count on social media companies. You never know. Because, you know, I'm sure, you know, like Facebook, Instagram, all these kind of businesses like, change things all the time, change the rules, change the privacy policies. Right. They change all the yeah. time. So, yeah. It's yeah, not, you want to make sure it's not, that you, it's not your land, basically. No, no, exactly, and that's where it's really, really important. And even like back in the olden days, I had a client who they passed a law of the do not call, right? Like before, people used to be able to do telemarketing. He was selling timeshares. He had over a hundred employees. He had to lay off his whole team because they couldn't call anybody anymore, like overnight. Like, Whoa. and he was a very successful business, but he was relying on one thing. Yeah. So don't think that it can't happen to us now with the internet, right? Like the, they could pass a law, like, you know, England passed laws, Europe passed laws that have really hurt people's businesses. So we need to have that stack yeah. working for us. Yeah. And then the last thing we do is optimize your sales process. So everything from when you get a lead to when the person comes on board to really optimize that, to make yeah. the most amount of money and to also serve the client at the highest level. Uh, you mentioned the pricing. Is the pricing the most important thing to compete uh, to competition or you, uh, there are more important things to compete for? And focus oh, no, on? It, is, it is not the most important thing at all. In fact, a lot of my clients charge way more than their competition. And I'll give you an example. I have a gentleman who is in the logistics industry and he's grown his business from six to eight figures since we worked together, competing against much bigger companies. Now, he's competing against these companies that have hundreds of salespeople that are calling all day and saying, let me quote you, let me quote you, let me quote you. And they're just trying to get the lowest quote and sell the lowest quote. Now, my client, we've created his marketing plan. We've created his sales process. And we will actually tell people, listen, I'm not going to be the cheapest. We'll actually even say that. And we will say, here's why. When When your client invests in something from you, and they, they want to have it delivered on Tuesday at 3 p.m., right? Let's for, say, for example, it was a piece of uh, medical equipment. And you've shut down the whole hospital diagnostics department to have this piece of equipment delivered. Tuesday, 3 p.m. comes. Guess what? It's not there. No, what's the guess point? What? Especially, yeah. You've spent two years probably trying to sell that piece of equipment to a hospital. Maybe more. Maybe five years. It's a long sales cycle. You have blown it on delivery to tick off your client that now they don't want to buy equipment from you anymore. Mm-hmm. So what if your what if your logistics could be a value add in your sales process as opposed to a bottom line like a cost? 
Yeah, exactly. See, yeah. like you can see how that's completely different messaging than let me quote you. And it's put him in a couture thing is that they're above all of these people down here. They're saying, let me get it for you mm. for the lowest price. So you mentioned uh, you have a book or a book come in, Hidden Profits. Yes, I'm so, so excited about what's, it. What, what's about that? Tell, tell us so, so it came from that conversation with Tony Robbins when he said being more resourceful. And that came at the time of the recession in 2008, 2009. And what happened was overnight, clients had things dry up, right? The marketing wasn't working. They didn't have... Um, credit lines available. They were like cut off overnight, which we're seeing happening right now mm. You know, in the US. Banks have cut credit lines in the last yeah. year. So, um, so what we looked at is like, instead of saying, all right, let's do all of these things that cost money. What can we do to add revenue without doing more marketing and advertising? So that's all the things in the hidden profits are ways that you can add revenue without doing more marketing and advertising. Mm. The money that's hidden in your business. I love it. It's like it's like kind of a shortcut. Uh, add zero without uh, spending a zero. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> I actually, I'm a fan like of. That. I'm a fan of adding zero because some people say if you, uh, you get uh, for example extra hundred, two hundred, a thousand. I actually always tell them I like to add a zero more than to add a hundred or a thousand. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. I like this concept. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we have the same mindset. Uh, so uh, give us one takeaway from this episode, Stacy. What I would tell you is that you have things in your, you don't need to go look for a magic bullet. You don't need to go look for the newest, like, oh, let's go do TikTok or let's go do Clubhouse or anything like that. You have money right there in your business you just need to go find it and you need to put it into action so don't just learn like take something that you learned from this episode and go implement it yeah exactly uh tony always says <laughs> massive action always yes. get results yes right yeah <laughs> for example for sure. it, it, it yes. is true eventually if you learn and get the knowledge or whatever it is if you don't uh implement it It, it, it's not good. For example, for me, regarding this podcast, for example, I got courses and eventually, yeah, yeah okay, you learn. But doing the thing, actually trying to put episodes out there to publish it, whatever it is that you learn in the course, it's going to be, to be different. And you look at it differently when you actually implement things and how you do things. So action is the most important thing. You can have some flaws. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Nothing is perfect. You learn every day and you get improved every day on, on the process. Yeah. Exactly. And my my oldest daughter is a gymnast. Oh, okay. And she was she was a national level gymnast, top 50 gymnast in Canada awesome. until she broke her back. Oh, um, but sorry. Oh. I know. She yeah, okay now? now? Yeah, she's okay now, but she doesn't compete anymore. But she the thing I learned from her was like, you know, when you see gymnasts and, you know, the Olympics are coming up, um, watch, like it's like micro things that make a difference between mm. a gold medal and a silver medal or a bronze medal. And what I learned from my daughter was like these corrections. It's like you do something like I could watch a video of doing it all day long. 
But until I actually try to do it, I'm not going to know, oh, like feel that balance, feel that, Mm. you know, whatever it is. And what I learned from her is the corrections, but also I learned to get up faster. So no matter what you do. So say, for example, you go today and you're like, I'm going to try an upsell. And the person says, oh, stop trying to sell me an appetizer. Like that's, you know, I'm not that hungry. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to offer that ever again. Right. (laughs) Just because you got a no doesn't mean it doesn't work. You You have to to get up faster. You need to try it again. And that's what I saw with my daughter is that she would fall off the balance beam over and over and over again. And when her head coach was from Romania, very tough. Mm. tough, she She said to me, she said, your daughter, I've been watching her and none of the coaches are paying attention to your daughter, right? None of them. Mm. And she said, but I, she was the new head coach. She said, I want to work with your daughter. I know she can go national because she gets up. She gets up faster and she does it again. Mm. And that's what separated her from all the kids that did provincial level gymnastics to all the kids that could go national is that Mm. she got up faster and she didn't give up. Great, awesome. Uh, never give up. Always rise up. <laughs> Actually, when I was a kid, I was I watched the Sydney Olympics. I think that was like, I don't know, more than 10 years ago, I think. So uh, I watched this kind of sport like gymnasts and the people who dive, dive diving, they call it the free diving or I don't know yes, what they call yes. it. So these kind of things, you look at it and you say it might be easy, but when you actually look, you have a look deep dive into it, it's like a very accurate thing. It's about the millimeters. Like you mentioned, someone wins the gold medal from the silver medal. Like this is the difference. Yeah. It's so funny because my daughter, after gymnastics, we were trying to find her another sport because of her back. And uh, we took her diving and she actually trained. She she went from training with two Olympic coaches in gymnastics to training with Olympic coaches in diving. And she hated it. She was really like, I like the coach was so excited because he's like, Oh my gosh, we have a gymnast. Yeah. Like, she, she, she they has the they form, make really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had like, she literally has like the diving, you know, physique and she has the moves that she hated it. So you have to have the passion and the heart for it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Stacy, where can people get in touch with you? Go to stacyhighland.com to um you can book a free session with me and we'll see how you can add a zero to your business without the hustle um the other place i would tell you is go to raise your rates masterclass.com that you can get a free series that shows you how to raise your rate oh awesome thank you stacy thank, thank you so much for having me it's been great awesome awesome having you on the success great podcast thank you thank you for listening to this episode of success grid Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.